Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Focus on making that first step, as scary as it seems, but take that first step and then the other and the other be consistent and persistent, and before you know it, we'll be well on your path to making those dreams a reality. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best Ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed, and I'm here with Vessi Kapulian. Vessi is joining us from Los Angeles, California. She is the founder of DBA Capital Group, which JVs and syndicates multifamily investments. Portfolio includes 161 units GP'd across seven properties, totaling 13 million AUM and a small portfolio of residential properties as well. Vessi, can you start us off a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Absolutely. Awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Welcome. have been a longtime listener and follower of the podcast and ever related. So I'll hit on a few key points and we can dive into any of those further as you see fit. 
originally from Bulgaria and grew up behind the Iron Curtain. And why I bring that up is because for a long time, the concept of investing for me translated to investing in hard assets. At the time, there wasn't really a developed stock market in Bulgaria. And for a lot of people, what that meant was buying their own home, maybe a second home, and then investing in silver gold in the form of jewelry. So it wasn't until I arrived to the U.S. that I discovered the popularity of the stock market. Nevertheless, I followed the traditional path of many, which is to go to school, graduate school, and join the corporate organization and climb that corporate ladder. So it wasn't really until 2017, until I started my real estate investing journey. And I don't remember exactly how, but I stumbled across a real estate seminar. It was a three-day seminar, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I took a day off from work and went there excited to learn. It ended up being one of those where you upsell at different stages. So I I never really proceeded (laughs) with signing up for any of those. But I took copious notes and built investment templates, questionnaires that I could start with as I start the real estate journey. Coincidentally, at that time, I also across an online webinar, uh, which was really a recording of local meetups here in Southern California. And one of the speakers there was consistently showing up, leading discussions, talking about investing out of state. And I picked up the phone one day and called him asking the question, do you sell properties like that? Or do you know someone who does? And sure enough, he did. And before I knew it, I had purchased my first investment property out of state. That was in Memphis, Tennessee. Fast forward to 2021, I had since expanded my residential portfolio into Central Florida and asked myself, how do I scale this further? And that naturally led me to consider multifamily, devoured a ton of content, both book-wise and online. And one common theme that a lot of experienced investors shared or one common piece of advice they had was get a mentor, a coach, if you want to accelerate your journey along the way. So I looked into a few programs and ultimately chose one that most closely aligned with my goals. My goal at the time was to close on my first multifamily deal within 12 months of making that mental transition to multifamily or at the latest within 12 months of starting that coaching program. And I'm very happy to share that closed on an 11-unit JV in Tampa uh, in May of this year and 145-unit syndication in Augusta, Georgia last month. So as they say, the work is just now beginning, but I'm really excited about the journey and what's next. Are you still working outside of real estate investing, Vessi? Yes, I'm still working full-time. Cool. So aside from the fact that you were born and raised in Bulgaria, this is a fairly common story when it comes to how people get into real estate investing including involving one of those stepladder seminars. The only stepladder seminar I ever attended was a week-long course. A business partner of mine had already paid for it, and that guru allowed you to re-attend with a business partner for free if you'd already attended before and paid full price. So I got to go for free, and I will say, while I was in the course, I think I was learning about buying properties on subject to wraparound mortgages. I actually got a lead that resulted in my partner and me buying a house subject to with a wraparound. 
So I have to say I've only had a positive experience with those. But aside from that, and aside from growing up outside of the United States, this is a fairly common story for how people get into real estate investing and decide to scale. I will say an 11 unit JV and a 140 something unit syndication with regards to your own investing activity, Bessie, those are pretty different deals. So what motivated you to get involved in syndication as well as continue investing in joint ventures? That's a great question. I started my journey with residential properties and my goal there was to have long-term buy and holds. And I look to continue that model through joint ventures. Ideally, I would like to buy properties and hold them in the long run. Where syndications come into play is being able to create another income stream that's also related to real estate. And I also enjoy working on teams. So it gives me the opportunity to get to know other operators, partner with others, and find a way to add value to that larger group. But it's really uncovering another real estate-related income stream that what also attracted me to pursue the syndication concurrently with JVs. Vesti, you said you're a longtime listener of the Best Ever podcast. You may have heard me say maybe like once a week now that I'm a buy-and-hold apartment owner-operator in Cincinnati, Ohio. The buy and hold strategy, especially when you're looking at the long-term hold or the forever hold, is very much a cash flow and wealth building strategy that does not involve large amounts of income up front, but it grows over time and you're definitely building wealth over time in ways that our fairly sophisticated audience is already aware. Syndication is a very different model when it comes to finances, income, wealth building for investors. So you called it another income stream within real estate investing. What is it about that that attracted you to apartment syndications? Speaking generally, general partners in apartment syndications make almost all of their money with liquidity events and with acquisition fees. So you're underwriting to a fixed hold period, three to seven years. So there's an acquisition fee up front, very little money in the meantime, typically. And then you're looking to make a lot of money on the disposition three to seven years out. What attracted you to making money that way when you already had solid income outside of real estate and you were already building a long-term hold portfolio? There are a few things. One is the ability to scale. There is something to be said about being able to work on larger, more complex assets. The opportunity to work hand-in-hand with other investors, both the active partners on the management team, as well as passive investors. And when it comes to passive investors, I'm really passionate about spreading the word about real estate investing. It's something that I wish I had uncovered earlier as a form of a more steady investment stream and really an opportunity to do that full-time. Again, I always thought about it as something that you kind of do on the side versus full-time. So I really want to be able to empower others to start their journey. So that's another aspect that's very attractive to me about syndications. And again, it ultimately starts with the why, and that's the ability to improve the local communities. Oftentimes that involves improving the asset living conditions. 
And that's very rewarding to me. Like you said, the hold times are typically shorter versus the buy and hold forever. But there are aspects that are attractive to me, despite some of the medium term period that you outlined, whereby you're patiently waiting. And real estate is a long-term game at the end of the day. It's not about quick results or getting rich quick. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay to be patiently waiting and hopefully finding a way to help others along the way. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And I get where you're saying that it gets you into real estate investing full-time faster. So when did you close on, I believe it was your first syndication? Yes, that was the first indication and that closed in June. So just a couple of weeks ago. Gotcha. So tell us a little bit more about it. Where is it? What is it? What's the business plan? Absolutely. It's a 145 unit property, really comprised of two assets. It's in Augusta, Georgia. The deal was sourced through one of the partners who lived just an hour or so away from Augusta and the relationship they have with a local broker as well as the seller. How I got into the deal was really identifying a way to add value to the team through underwriting, the market analysis. I was also given the opportunity to attract capital. It's a class B, C-plus asset. We are looking to improve the property by improving the interior as well as taking care of some exterior deferred maintenance The operational opportunity there is the ability to increase rents, which we believe we can accomplish based on the market data that we have. So we'll increase value, add value to the property and bring great returns for our investors through those two key paths, the CapEx improvements and the operational improvements. So you closed in June of 2022. Guessing that you got it under contract in spring of 2022, I'm curious about the debt that you got on it. There are three numbers here that I want to ask for all at the same Mm -hmm. time, Bessie. The cap rate based on actual performance prior to your acquisition, what your debt terms looked like, your loan to value and your interest rate primarily and your term, and then what cap rate you expect to be able to achieve based on your purchase and your pro forma NOI after you do the CapEx and improve operations? Absolutely. So the debt terms definitely evolved based on the lending environment. We started with one rate and we ended up with another that was slightly higher. Nevertheless, we still were able to secure a fixed rate for the first five years of the loan tenure. How much did you buy it for? I can't disclose the price for tax reasons. So that's the one variable I cannot disclose, but I can hit on all the other metrics that you mentioned. So very favorable LTV of 75%, loan rate of 5.1, fixed for the first five years of the of the tenor. Exit cap rate would be right around... What's five. the amortization on that? It's a... 25 years. It was through a local lender that one of our partners had a relationship with. So that really helped with securing favorable loan terms, coupled with the overall background of the team. 
exit cap rate is right around 5.5% and starting cap rate is right around 4.8%. I believe I answered all questions, but if I missed any of the metrics, let me know and we can go over those. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Invest- investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. So you bought a 4.8 cap with 25% down, 75% loan to value at 5.1 with a five-year term and a 25-year AM. Now the exit cap rate There are a couple of different things that people want to hear from when it comes to that term. What I'm asking is based on your purchase price, how high will you get the cap rate to go? Not necessarily what cap rate you expect it to sell at. So based on what you paid for it and what you plan to put in it, where will you get the cap rate? Not necessarily the price at which you will sell it, but where will you get the cap rate based on your own purchase and CapEx? So we're, again, conservatively underwriting, we're effectively increasing the cap rate at roughly 10 basis points or so year over year. So right around 5.5. Now, if cap rates don't increase further, then we'll obviously gain more, but that's what we're accounting for. Obviously, if they increase more than what we've projected, then we've built in additional cushion by virtue of other levers within the deal, mostly pertaining to expenses, as well as the projected rent growth. So we've baked in additional cushion parameters, if you will, to help us account for any market fluctuations. So conservatively underwriting for an increase in the cap rate of 10 basis points or 0.1% per year. I have to say, Vessi, I'm asking this question as someone who has not yet syndicated, neither as a GP nor as an LP. I'm just an owner operator and I'm more of a Burr investor. So based on the numbers that you're showing, your debt has a five-year fixed term. 
you have a plan to get the cap rate from 4.8 to 5.5, likely over seven years. Does your debt allow you to extend beyond that five-year term? Yes, it's actually, just to clarify, it's over five years. So five years is the planned hold period. Okay, Um, gotcha. Yeah, the debt is actually a 10-year facility where the rate is fixed for the first five years, and then it starts floating should we decide to hold the asset later. We haven't necessarily baked in a refi, although that's also an option should we decide to extend the hold period. But this year, five years is what we're planning on. Gotcha. And asking out of personal curiosity, is there any sort of prepayment penalty with your loan? Yes, there is a traditional prepayment penalty. Yeah. What, what is five- it? The 54321. Ah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. 54321. To me, a buy and hold investor who does smaller deals in Cincinnati, Ohio, that sounds a little aggressive, but it makes sense. The way that my commercial mortgage broker would say it, when debt was really cheap, there were no prepayment penalties because they wanted their money back as fast as they could get it because they were hoping they'd be able to lend it at a higher rate. Now that rates are going up, prepayment penalties are going up with them because banks want to keep that debt at 5.1, much longer than they wanted to keep it at 3.1. Considering where the market is today, that rate is actually quite attractive as well. Um, so oh, yeah. That's another um, well, reason when why did you offset. Right? Yeah. yeah. So when did you lock it in? I want to say it was probably right around May, maybe four weeks before closing. I may be off by a few days in those timing estimates, but we were ultimately able to lock it in when we got the commitment letter signed from the bank. Gotcha. Now that we're recording in early July, 2022, yeah, it feels like every four, six weeks, every time the Fed meets, there's a bump in interest rates. So that 5.1 is not something that you're going to find now, of course. That makes a lot of sense. So are you making any projections about where you expect cap rates to be in five years? It's very hard to predict. If anyone knew where rates would be, they would probably be doing something different. I will say that now for any new deals that I'm looking at today, again, this one we looked at a while back and it was purchased at a very attractive price that unfortunately no longer exists in the market. So for anything that I'm looking today, I'm adding additional cushion when it comes to cap rates. And there are a couple of ways to approach that. Either add more than the 10% that most people increase it by year over year, or start off with a higher cap rate relative to what the market is, which again, is not necessarily the purchase price cap rate, but add a little bit more cushion to the starting cap rate by adding to the market base plus that cushion to account for additional fluctuations. I think the one maybe safe bet to make is that with the increase in interest rates and we've already started to see some movement in the market and adjustment of sellers expectations when it comes to valuations i think the one safe bet to make is that cap rates will go up again by how much it's probably going to be dependent on the market and the asset class but those are some of the actions that i outlined earlier that i'm taking to make sure the underwriting is conservative in the current market environment. Of course. And five years is a long time in the life of a market cycle. 
We're certainly experiencing volatility right now, but there are no crystal balls that can tell anyone that far into the future what this market looks like for sure. Awesome. Well, Vessi, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, I am. Awesome. What is the best ever book you recently read? I like how you qualified it recently. Otherwise, it yes. will be a very long list of favorite books. But the one that comes to mind is The One Thing by Gary Keller. There are lots of golden nuggets, but it's a great book about life and productivity. And, and the one common theme throughout it is what is the one thing that you can do today that will make everything else seem unnecessary or easier? And that's really helped me structure my days, my weeks as I plan ahead. So I'll highly recommend it. Nice. Yeah. Fabulous book. What's your best ever way to give back? A couple of ways. One is I contribute to animal organization, ASPCA. So I don't talk about it publicly, but that's one thing I do, as well as helping other real estate investors. One of my core powers is underwriting. So I'm always happy to get on the phone, answer questions, help others underwrite deals or provide a second set of eyes. Awesome. Bessie, so far in your commercial real estate investing career, what is the biggest mistake you've made and the best ever lesson you learned as a result? There is one deal that comes to mind and I learned that lesson relatively early on from my residential investing journey. And it was when I was purchasing a duplex and there were many reasons why I liked the assets, but as I started a diligence period, there were also a few red flags that ultimately caused me to walk away from the deal. I did lose my diligence money, which was a couple hundred dollars, which I realized when we talk about multifamily on, in the grand scheme, sure, it sure. may not be a lot, but for me, it was a lot of money at the time. But there were a few valuable lessons that came across that I learned along the way. One is being persistent about being able to see all the units. We were not allowed initially to see one of the two units and ultimately realized later why it involved a lot more CapEx than right. what was represented yeah. to us. And there were inconsistencies in the lease, the tenant and the arrangements that the landlord had with that particular tenant. So being able to walk all the units, being disciplined about it and I felt devastated when I quote unquote lost that deal. But at the end of the day, it's about cutting your losses or sunk costs, as I call them. I would have loved to own the asset, but the red flags were just too many for me to proceed. So having the strength and being true to your core investment criteria and following those through was something that I learned early on and that I think has served me well. Awesome. Yeah, that's something that a lot of us come across coming up through residential real estate investing is that we don't do due diligence or we don't learn how to do due diligence to the degree that successful large-scale commercial investors do. And we allow those kinds of lapses by a four-family after seeing only one of the units because the other three were hidden from you. It's got to be a really good deal for that to work. So that's awesome. And best ever lesson, of course, do your due diligence, be thorough and even when I've had properties as large as 70 some odd units under contract, I was walking every single unit myself with an inspector during due diligence. So I get where you're coming from. I've made that mistake myself too. Bessie, what is your best ever advice? I would say to the listeners to dream, believe, and achieve. 
dream because it's important to have clarity of goals, dream big, know your why, follow your passion, believe, believing in yourself, overcoming your own limiting beliefs by surrounding yourselves with positive, like-minded individuals, mentors, coaches, a supportive community, and achieve because none of it matters if you don't take action. So focus on making that first step, as scary as it seems, but take that first step and then the other and the other, be consistent and persistent. And before you know it, we'll be well on your path to making those dreams a reality. Awesome. And where can people get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is through my website, dbacapitalgroup.com. My contact information is there, more information about our investment approach and criteria, as well as a ton of free content that I've posted there and will keep adding to. Awesome. And that link is in the show notes. Bessie, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you gained value from this conversation with Bessie, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend that you know we can add value to as well. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thank you, Slocum.